0: Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that good music this morning? Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a hand, will you? Very good. Hey, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, please. Acts chapter 4. And I want us to follow a story here in the Bible, and maybe it's one that you've read, maybe it's one that you haven't read, and I want us to grab a couple of things out of it this morning, all right? So Acts chapter 4, here we go. Everybody everybody had a good Thanksgiving? You enjoyed seeing your family and had a good time. I did too. We had a, we got to go to the Dallas Cowboy game and, and watch them cowboys go ten and one. So Tommy and I had a good Thanksgiving, and then of course the kids came over on Friday, so that was wonderful. But a lot to be thankful for, you know. Um, I'm certainly thankful, um, you know, to have a Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that died in my stead, and to give me grace, and then to each day to give me grace on top of that grace. Isn't that wonderful? And, and of course, it's it's also, you know, I'm thankful, you know, for our church family. I'm thankful for what God has done here over all the years at Cornerstone, this local church, but also what he's going to do in the future. Amen, everybody? Amen. Look at a a few things with me. We're going to be looking at four principles this morning, but I want you to look at at, uh, Acts chapter 12, and this is when Peter was arrested, but then he was also delivered. And I want you to notice that the emphatic verse here Um, that we're going to highlight here in just a moment. But look at, I said Acts chapter 4 to you earlier. It's Acts chapter 12. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4 later. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. It says, Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Everybody look at me. So, So here we have the book of Acts. It's an overview of those early days and for these disciples. The book of Acts is an overlay of all the other epistles that we have. You can take the epistles and you can kind of just put them in the different places in Acts. So Acts is an overview. It's an overlay of the epistles. Now, during this time, Jesus had died. He had, he had, been, he, he had been resurrected. He had descended up to heaven. And now it's the disciples. Now the apostles turn to lead the world to Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. And so, so as they're going about and as they're spreading the gospel, this is the church. The church is spreading the gospel. Who's the church? We're the church, those who are saved. And it says, now Herod and the Jews got, are tired of it. They go to Herod and they want something done about it. And it says in verse 2, and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, when Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. They were going to kill him. Herod was going to kill Peter. Peter just like he did James, the brother of John. And so Peter was kept in the prison, but here it is. Underline this in your Bible, please. But prayer for him was being made, look at that word, fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains And guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. That's his outer garment. And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know what was being done by the angel, whether it was real, but thought that he was perhaps seeing a vision. You ever been like that? Is this really going on? Is this really happening? And that's what Peter was feeling here. Is this really happening to me? Am I still, am I seeing a vision? In verse 10. When they had passed the first, second guard, they came to the iron gate, and that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And here's the last verse. When Peter came to himself, <laughs> and it was all over, when the Holy Spirit, when this holy angel, when God got done with this great miracle, it says he come to himself, and he says, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Father, we love you this morning, and we do thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, uh, we thank you for rescuing all of us here this morning that are saved and that are headed to heaven, and God, we praise you for that. And But Lord, as, as we account the story of Peter Man, we, we want to see what Peter saw. We, we as a church want to experience what this church experienced. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you'll focus all of our hearts on what, um, what us, Cornerstone, we as a, as a church and that's in love with you, that's God-centered, and w- what we can experience if, if, we'll, if we'll put these same principles in our mind and hearts each and every day. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this morning I want us to look at four principles, and you know, isn't that a great, isn't that a, just an amazing story in the Bible? I mean, can you imagine Peter? Everybody, listen. He, he's, you know, he, you know, he he watches James get executed, and then they come arrest him, and he knows he's next, and 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 he's in arm's way, and, and the church, what they do is they go and they get together collectively and they pray fervently for Peter. And God did a miraculous thing. I, I don't know about y'all, but I, I'd love to see some of those things, and I have seen some of those things, but, but wouldn't that be a great thing to see every day here at Cornerstone? Do, do you agree with me? Say amen. I, isn't that something that we should expect and should want? Well, here's some things that we can do that we can see these type same things happen in our lives number one principle and i see here in these verses that number one is that is that they were and we need to be not saying that we haven't been but we need to continue to be principle number one God-focused. God-focused. Hey, listen to me, everybody. God-focused. We need to, Christians, as Christians, as this early church, we need to be God-focused people. Not circumstance. A circumstance shouldn't be our focus, but God should be our focus. Listen, God should be our focus. We should be God-focused focused people. Now, I want to break this down with you in just in two headings, because they're really related to one another. Number one is tuned to God's agenda, and then number two is follow God's lead. But look at first, tuned to God's agenda. Hey, everybody, I want to encourage you as your pastor, and I love you and I'm thankful for you, but but you know, we need to be tuned into God's agenda. Everybody write that down in your margin. Tune in to God's agenda. Because I don't think we are. I don't think that half the Christians out there are really tuned in to God's agenda. I really think that a lot of us are tuned in to our own agenda. I think too many of us are tuned into our own lives and what's going to make us happy and content. And so our so the agenda that we're focused on is ours and it's not God's. I'm telling you, straight up and straight out. Have you ever compared the disciples? in the four gospels compared to those same disciples, now apostles, in the book of Acts? I did that this week, and I want to share that with you. Comparing, comparing these apostles, how they approach Christ in the gospels and how they approach the book of Acts, how they approach God in the book of Acts. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, listen to this. Their request, their request included calling down fire from heaven to, to consume those who rejected Christ. The disciples in the Gospels, um, they, sent people, they wanted to send people away hungry. Remember that? Remember the, these disciples? They, they, wanted, they wanted God to bring fire upon those who rejected Christ. They they wanted they wanted to send people away who were hungry. Remember that? And and they're all there and they're all hungry and 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 they come they come to Jesus and they said, just send them away, Lord. We can't feed all these people. Remember that? Remember that these disciples in the Gospels um, they, they argued about who was going to sit on the right hand and the left hand of God. In the Gospels. We also see that their actions were very telling. They co- they they constantly demonstrated a lack of faith. Remember they prohibited children from coming to Christ and they tried to they tr- they tried they tried to stop people from caving casting out demons. I mean even their actions were telling. Now now and then I think they would get it right, but most of the time they were out and left filled when it come to Jesus and his mission and his agenda. Consequently, in the Gospels, Jesus very rarely did anything that they asked him to. You go back in your Gospel accounts and you look at how the disciples, um, what their agenda and what their mission was. But when you turn to the book of Acts, now listen to this. When you turn turn into the book of Acts, the same disciples, you find a completely different focus in their lives and and in their asking. Acts records no account. Listen, Acts records in no accounts that they ever failed in their faith again. Isn't that amazing? Church, they failed over and over and over again in the Gospels. And then we get into the book of Acts and they never failed again. When God looked on their prayer meetings, (laughs) remember 3,000 were saved in Acts chapter two, and then 6,000 were saved. Listen, things changed for these disciples, and I wonder what that was. They saw prison doors swung open. They saw people being saved. They saw great and amazing things. They saw miracles after miracles. They helped perform miracles after miracles. And their faith never failed. Obviously, some tremendous transformation, something radical changed, something had occurred. What made that difference? Very simply, is this they went from being on their own agenda to being on God's agenda. Listen to me. In the gospel accounts, they were always on their own agenda. What you know, they they couldn't see. They didn't have the faith. They couldn't see what God saw. So they were on their own agenda. They saw what they saw. They couldn't see what God saw because they had no relationship with God. And I think that's the way it is sometimes with us Christians. We we we, we get so so self satisfied in our life, and and one or two things, and four things are going fine. But we but and, and so we become so self centered. We don't become I'm God-centered, can I? Amen. But listen to me. Um, we need to be God-centered. We need to be people who are who are God-centered. I was thinking about this, and uh, in the book of in the, in the book of Acts, three thousand were saved at this meeting, at this prayer meeting, at this meeting where Peter preached. Another time, six thousands was saved. What was their focus do you think in those meetings was it god what can you do for me or were they getting out there and caring about god's agenda And witnessing to people and inviting people to church and because they didn't go out and get them saved. They were all in one place and they got saved. You know why? It's because those disciples were God-centered. It it, it wasn't about their agenda. It wasn't about them being protected. It wasn't about their health. It was about what they needed to do in the name of Jesus Christ for God and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were God-centered people. The difference between these disciples in the Gospels and the books of Acts is that, very simply, their agenda changed. They quit seeking a seat on Jesus' right hand and left hand, and they began praying for the boldness to testify in a place of persecution. They quit flirting with their return of going, going back to fishing, and they, they, they started focusing on shepherding the people of God. They stopped tripping over their circumstances and started seeking an endowment of power from on high to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, everybody, wake up for a minute, you know, and and I'm just sharing this because this is what God has me to share. You you know, we we get so timid today and we think that we can't do this and we can't do that and this and that and this isn't going to happen. It's because our agendas are wrong. It's because we're being self-centered and not God-centered. Can I have an amen to that? Amen, everybody? Uh, We should want what this first church had. And this is what God wants to offer us. You know, they they changed from being self-centered to being God-centered. You know, in Acts chapter 4, I'm not going to have you turn there, but Peter and John were released with threats and this is, this is another time where, where the Romans come after these, these Christians. But Peter and John, um, they, they were brought in because they were preaching. And they were brought in, and they were asked a lot of questions. And, but they were released with threats of what would happen to them if they spoke the name of Jesus again. And they reported this to their friends, who immediately, reflexively went to prayer... And then they said in verse 24, I'm just going to read this to you. It says, so, so, so they was out preaching. They was brought in. They were, they was, they was told not to preach again. If you preach again, we're going to put you in prison or we're going to kill you. They come back to the church, and this is what happens. Listen to this. When they heard this, talking about that church, their church. They raised their voices to God unanimously and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David, your servant. And, of course, it goes on for the next six verses. But I want you to notice here is that they spent five verses telling God who he is and two two verses, look at this, asking God for boldness. Everybody follow me here. Here's the church. They have a responsibility. They're God-centered. They're told if they say the name of Jesus that that they're going to be, be killed. They come back, and the whole church in one accord gets together, and they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and they thank God of who he is, and then they ask for God for boldness to keep on doing it. Their concern was not their protection, but God's purpose being secured above and beyond and through their suffering. Do you see it? Their prayers was not for their reputation to be vindicated, but for that the reputation of Jesus Christ to be upheld. You see it? They, they didn't. They didn't. They, they didn't. Peter and then they didn't come back. And then they pray, and they didn't, they didn't pray for shelter. They prayed for boldness. And as a result, the place where they was was shaken as a physical sign of the power of God falling upon them. And they were all empowered by the Holy Spirit for the gospel's purpose. And folks, let's just be honest here. We spend a whole lot more time praying for God to keep Christians out of heaven than to keep the lost from going to hell. Let me say that again. Christians, today, we spend more time praying for God to keep Christians out of heaven than for Him to keep the lost from going to hell. Listen, listen God, God, God heals and He helps us. It, it's, 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 it's prayed for more often than save and sanctify. You know what I'm saying? We, we want to be on God's agenda, right? We spend a lot, of, a lot of time praying for to keep Christians out of, out of going to heaven. In other words, we're praying for people not to, when they're sick, not to die, and, and praying for this and praying for that. And that's, and that's biblical, and we're supposed to be doing those things. But listen, how often are we praying for those, for those lost people? What about God's agenda? You know, certainly our agenda is, is that I don't want any of you to, to die. I'd rather for all of us just to experience the resurrection. I'll go up together. Everybody, say Amen. And so we do pray for one another. when we get sick, we pray for each other that's biblical that's great but but what's happened I think is is this is that we we've lost god's agenda and god's focus on the lost people everybody H- How often do we do we sit down and mourn and cry and, and and mourn in our hearts over those that are lost and dying and going to hell? listen you, you get you can even go take our prayer request that we have that's that's circulated on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And I don't think there's maybe but one person on there for salvation. little lopsided, huh? What I'm saying is simply this, guys, is that we need to be God-centered, God-oriented. We need to be God-led by these things. Everybody say amen. It's okay to pray for protection, but it's also okay to pray for boldness. It's okay to pray, pray for God to provide for you. But it's also great to pray for those (laughs) who are lost and dying and going to hell. If we're going to be God-centered people, if we're going to be a church, listen, this is is what we're trying to get across. If we want to see God doing great things here at Cornerstone, we need to continue as we have before, is to make God's agenda our agenda. And, And for us to see God do things like we see in the book of Acts and in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and all throughout the epistles, we got to be a people, number one, number one is after God's agenda. Amen? Amen? Not self, but God's. Now, not only being God focused do we follow his agenda, but we also want to follow God's lead. We want to follow God's lead. Um, have you ever wondered. Um, about this like I have? We want to follow God's lead. I was thinking about this, and I was actually talking to um, Colton um, a couple of, about a week ago, and we had just a short conversation about, not about this, but the subject. But have you ever wondered, like I have, how is it that Elijah could believe that God would actually respond to his prayer to send fire down from heaven and consume a water soaked fire. You ever thought about that? How could this man be so bold? How how did he know that God would do that? How did he Was it Elijah? Was it God? How did Elijah know that God would do that? Anybody ever wondered that before? No, you're a lot more spiritual than me and Colton, I guess. Okay, <laughs> we don't doubt God. We're just saying, what what did it take? What did it take for this man, for Elijah, to say, "Everybody, you bell worshippers, go ahead and you do your cutting, you do your moaning, and you do all that you do." And you build, you 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 do. And then he, you you make fire come down, and then and then for Elijah to go take water upon water and pour it on that water soaked, and say you and, and then say God consume, and God did. What wh- what happened? What about Moses? He goes to Egypt. You ever think about? You ever wonder about? He went to Egypt and he gets all the Jews. They come out and they come to this sea that they got to cross. And there's thousands of soldiers behind them, and some are in chariots and some are on horses, but they're all carrying swords and they're all going to kill these Jews. Why did Why did Moses think that he could put that rod in the Red Sea and it would? Uh, that's a lot of response. How? What about Joshua when he was out fighting and they were fighting and, and, and Joshua said, Lord, make the sun stand so we can have more time to beat our enemy. Who, who would pray for that? God, make that sun stop so that we can have time to do what? How about Jesus? What about Jesus? Jesus. He had a four-day rotten corpse in the name of the man named Lazarus that raised from the dead. How could these men be so bold? How can these ladies be so, and know that God was going to do what he said he was going to do? How do we know that God wants us to do what he wants us to do? How how can we be bold like that and and ask God to do crazy things like this? I mean, what is it? They asked for the impossible because they were so God-oriented that they knew what he was doing and what it meant. Listen, listen, listen here. Elijah explained before the fire fell that God was turning Israel's heart back to himself for the answer to prayer. Moses had spent private time before the Lord until God told him what he was going to do. Joshua recognized that God was fighting for them, so he asked for more daylight to finish the job. In each case, they were able to discern the activity, the intent, or the heart of God prior to asking. They knew what God wanted, so they had enough faith to ask him for it. Do you follow me? How do they know? Notice that in each case, that discernment and knowledge flowed from their relationship with God. They had paid the price in time with the Lord, in Scripture, in prayer, so they understood God's perceptive on their life and work. And once they understood it, they set about their father's business. They sensed God's power working through them as they joined him in the work. And they knew what God wanted done, and they asked him for it, and God answered. There's no magic formula it's just being with God. And when we, when you know God's heart, when you know God's agenda, when you spend time with Him, not, not, just, not just you know, not just that time where you, you, you eat your meal and you say, God bless this food and God provide for my needs, Amen. And you start. Not that's not what we're talking about. But when you, like these men, when you spend time with God, when you spend time in prayer, when you spend time with other Christians in prayer, when you spend time in Bible studies with other Christians, when you spend time obeying the word of God, when you spend time in Scripture and know God's word, then then you'll have God's agenda. And when you have God's agenda, you'll know what God wants. And then when God shows you, he'll lead you to do what he wants you to do, and you can do it. You can make a donkey talk. You can, you can stick a rod if that's what God wants and make the sea part. You can go out and witness to people. You can go out and invite people to church. You can go out and make a difference in the name of Jesus Christ. You can give to, to let someone else go and to do whatever you can do because God will lead you. But you got to know God's agenda. you got to be God-focused, everybody. Not self focused. You take Elijah and you take Moses and you take, you take, those people were not self focused. They weren't interested in in some agenda that they had for themselves. And the difference again between the disciples and the Gospels and and the book of Acts is that their centeredness had changed. Their agenda became all about God because when they got saved, they. picked up their crosses, and they followed him. That's how they could do what they could do. Amen, everybody? Now, you take Jesus, for example. Now, and he's our greatest example, right? And we believe that Jesus could do all that he did because he was the son of God. Everybody say amen. But our Lord himself wants us to understand this connection between discerning the heart of God And asking for what God already wants to give. Did you catch that? You see, God is already wanting to give you something. You just got to figure out and have that relationship with him that you know and to discern what he wants to give you so that you could go out, so that you can separate the waters, so that you can bring down fire from heaven. John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. I think I have that on the screen. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> Listen to the example that Jesus gives us. Now, he's the son of God, and, and he can do anything he wants to. But you know what? He knew that we couldn't do things because we're not God, so he shows us from example of how we're to go about doing it. Everybody got that? And look, look, look at what he says. So what we're saying is here that we have to have a relationship with him. We've got to discern. And the only way you're going to discern what he wants to give you is by spending time with him. And notice what Jesus, Jesus says. He says, I assure you, the son is not able to do anything on his own. Now, I think in these verses that he's talking about himself. He's giving us an example. But he's also talking about us. Okay? Because we're the sons of God, everybody. We're not a capital G God, but we are the sons and daughters of God. He says, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees, look at it, the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. We do the things that God does. And when we do that, then we'll have that leadership that God will show us to do what he'll have us to personally do. Jesus discerned the heart of God and then he acted. He walked with the heavenly Father and asked for what he already knew the Father wanted and it was done. And he calls us to do the same kind of walk. What kind of discernment? What kind of discernment does it take? It takes for us as the children of God to have a personal relationship with him. And to know what, he, what makes God do what he does and to do what he does so that we can do the things that God wants us to do that he's already given us to do. Amen, everybody? So there's three more principles. And come back Wednesday night and we'll go over those next three principles, okay? But number one, hey, we need to be working on being God-focused. God-focused. Not self-focused, but God-focused. God-focused people. Now we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, okay? And so um, I want our band to come on up, please. Be a little bit different. I want you to stand with me, please. Everybody stand. Every head bowed. Every head bowed. Now, please don't think, as your pastor, and I do love you, I love you very much, and it's it's an honor to to be everybody's, to be your pastor, to be the spiritual leader of Cornerstone. So every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, sometimes, you know, as as a child, I would, you know, always felt like, you know, you know, my, my parents are always picking on me and tearing me down, always telling me what's wrong and never telling me what's right. That's not what I'm. <laughs> I, I, if you're taking it that away, then um, you're not. That's not, not it. I want to see some captives set free. I want to see some people saved. I want to see our church experiencing these these same things as what this early church did. You know, I've 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 um we have all experienced services, meetings like this, and some of them can be free and 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 God empowered and you can really feel the spirit moving but then there's other times that we meet and um, it's flat it's stagnant why is that? is it because the preacher didn't preach good or the band didn't play good? is it because God forgets about his snow? it's because of the hearts of the people that are in worship. We need to be God-centered on God's agenda, allowing God to lead us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our protection. Our prayers should be prayers, God empower us. God Help us to, to be the church that you intended for us to be. Our, 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 our prayers should be focused on, on not just not just those who are being healed from disease or that are on their deathbed. And we certainly need to pray for those, but our prayers should also be for the lost. because you know why? Because that's God's agenda. Because that's God's agenda. For us to be the lighthouse and the salt and to see people saved. Our prayers, we need to be praying for boldness. We need to be asking God for, for, for that power to be a good lifestyle witness to other people. But also to have the boldness to get out and to, and to, and to, and to witness to people the name of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when, when, when God is our, our centered focus, and when we do that, principle number one, when we do that, then we are going to see the manifestation of the Spirit of God in such a way that you, that you, that you can't live without it. But we've all, each and every single one of us, has got to be God-centered, 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 God-centered. God-centered. So we're gonna open the altars up this morning and and, and I invite everyone to come. I I want you to come and I want you to come pray this morning for boldness. Uh, just Just like here in Acts chapter 12, I want us to come together in one accord and fervently pray for our church moving forward. Pray for our building program. Pray for souls to be saved. Pray for God to give you boldness to give. Pray for God to give you boldness to witness. Pray for God to give your staff boldness. This morning, we want you to pray. We want you to, we and we want you to surrender to the agenda of God, Christians. And if you're here and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and if the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart, please don't leave here lost. Come dying and going to hell. We love you and we care about you. Come and talk with me at this invitation time, and so I can set you down and and pray with you and talk to you about those about those things but right now god-centeredness would you please come as, as God leads you to all of us? Maybe there's someone, all of us know someone that's not saved. Come pray for them to be saved. Come pray that God will give you boldness to not just to witness to him, but also to pray for him. But you come, everybody come, and let's be in the center of God, and let's pray for his boldness. Just like Elijah, just like Joshua, just like Moses, but most of all, just like our Savior, Jesus Christ.